Everyone, welcome to Papa's Basement. I'm your host, John Papa Giorgio. I got my co-host with me, Eva Crickshin. Hello. And we have a very special guest today. I would say the, the best friend of the show, Eva. Oh, yeah. By far. Uh, author, talent, <laughs> lover, Michael Sachs. Mike, Hey-o. what's up, buddy? hey <laughs> uh, I, I... <laughs> You forgot uh, father and cat owner. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The important stuff. Exactly. I... And I he am, saved a mouse's life. Yeah, I did. I saved a mouse's life the other night. I am surrounded by my two cats who, uh, you know, I used to feed them an eight and then became six, <laughs> then five, then four, then it started at three. So they have three uh, feedings starting at three. And uh, now is their wet feeding. That, that's what they're waiting for. Uh, that's, this is that's like a cruise one. ship, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, it's the wet food. I have the same line. thing. Oh yeah, it's it's <laughs> now become the sequence of a dry food, a wet food, two dry foods, a wet food, and I think a final dry food. Or two. Right, but does 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 another human being pour medicine into your uh, wet food so you won't so your shit won't smell worse than death? <laughs> I, I wish they did. <laughs> I could use it. Yes, that's called mom. <laughs> yeah. His mom only yeah. puts the uh, hemorrhoid suppositories up his butt. Yeah, it doesn't go in my food. It goes in my oh. box. <laughs> she must love you so much. <laughs> she really does. It's overwhelming. Oh, that's so delightful. <laughs> oh, God. So Mike is here to talk about his latest novelization of a fictional film. The completion of his trilogy started with Stinker Let's Loose, mm-hmm. a, a fake 70s trucker movie. <laughs> And we had Passable in Pink, the fake 80s so good. teen rom-com. Oh, yeah, I'm looking at my copy right now. A prom-com. And uh, we've we've closed, of course, with the 90s and Slouchers, <laughs> a, a parody of, uh, I guess, what was it, singles or? Slackers, probably. Slackers. Yeah. Or slackers. Michael, you tell us. I'm sorry I tuned out. What were you saying? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so this is this. All right, the first there's three novelizations based on non-existent films, and uh, the first one was based on a trucking and CB movie called Stinker Let's Loose. The movie supposedly came out in '77, and then there was Passable in Pink, which is based on John Hughes type movies, which supposedly came out in '83, and now this new one based on Gen X movies like Reality Bites and Singles and Suburbia and. Uh, slackers and clerks and all those movies so this one is supposedly based in 1992 (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i guess before we get into the specifics of slouchers like did you i mean what possessed you to come up with these fake novelizations is it anything you had seen before or is this just pure sex or just like a fan of novelizations in general yes actually i am a big fan of novelizations I grew up reading them. Um, I love them. I still love them. I've started collecting them. I mean, they don't really do them anymore. But, you know, at that time when I was growing up, it was the only way to really relive your love for a movie. So I remember buying uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom in book form because, you know, this is pre, obviously, internet, cable, and I love the movie. So, like, you could read the story. You could look at, at film stills. And um, it was just, you know, what was that Asian character's name? Like short round. Oh, short short round. Not pork chop. Like years more. (laughs) Pork chop. Yeah. Um, 
so I love these books and I thought the easiest way really to write a movie without writing a movie uh, to parody a movie is to do this. So it's, it's really just a Trojan horse, basically a vehicle <laughs> to write a fake movie and have fun with it, make fun of it, but also, you know, and I love all these type of movies. So it's sort of half making fun of it, half um, delighting in, in these movies from a totally different age. Such I, a good idea. That was brilliant. Yeah. It's brilliant. I, I know we've talked about how you felt about John Hughes, but I feel like the nineties films aren't so typified by one director. So like, which ones do you actually enjoy and which ones kind well, of fall short? Right, this is, your... this is, this is where we go deep into Washingtonian history because I've, I've done other interviews and um, I had a hold back, but the early nineties, I was um, in sort of a bad place. I was working retail for Kent Mill records in, uh, Maryland, uh, mostly in the Aspen Hill area, mm-hmm. uh, Connecticut and Georgia. And it was sort of a miserable time for me. So when I was working at, at this job, all these uh, slacker movies had come out. And I guess I was basically a slacker. But I always hated these movies because I always thought that it was sort of the equivalent of movies written by 50-somethings uh, in the 1960s about hippies, you know, just trying to... <laughs> make a buck off of, uh, <laughs> but also it was sort of a pet peeve of mine because these, these slackers were sort of okay doing nothing. Um, and I was always kind of driven mad by it. I, I just felt very stuck. I didn't. Mm. And I also thought I'd, I'd be doing it forever. So, um, it was open on them. Right. Bastards. <laughs> so it was sort of a, no, it wasn't sort of, it was a bad time in my life. And I look back at that, but at the same time, I was working at a record store. I know that music, that period very well. I know the movies very well. I know the sensibility from that time very well. So I thought it would be a fun thing to just sort of tackle. It's a very specific moment in time. It's just before the internet came along and uh, I came out of college into a recession and it was just sort of a strange time. It was very odd. There wasn't much going on besides the Gulf War. Um, there was really no causes for us. Um, it was just weird. It, <laughs> all of us were sort of just free floating. And I felt that uh, these movies, and even later with like High Fidelity, I didn't think they captured it accurately. I thought it was sort of a rosy look at um, a difficult time in my life. And do you I'm, think, uh, sorry, do you think Slouchers is going to accurately, is it a little darker than uh, Passable in Pink and Stinker? Um, I think, well, definitely more so than Stinker. Yeah, I think it's, um, I think gradually each of the books got a little darker, mm-hmm. although Passable in Pink actually was pretty dark. But I, I think the Slouchers is really based on, uh, my experiences minus uh, some some too dark stories. Like I don't know if mm. I ever told you about this, but I was working at the Kent Mill and I was invited to a party by a uh, my assistant manager who was named Dougie. And <laughs> well, his last name was Bostick. Does that ring a bell? Bostick. Bostick. Yeah. Oh, the Redskins? Yes. Right. So he was the he was the nephew of Jeff Bostick, the center for the Washington Redskins. What? 
So he invited me to this party. Um, oh, there had to be Coke. Go on. <laughs> uh, in, in, in Potomac. And I was going to go. Then I didn't. I ended up not going. Okay. So then I, I came into work uh, the next day. And uh, the manager called me into the back room. He goes, did you hear what happened to Dougie? I said, no. Oh, no. He said he was murdered. <gasps> Dougie! Yeah. Uh, and I said, what the fuck? So what happened was it turned out to be, this is pre-internet. So it didn't really make a stink in the area. But if it happened now, people would be over the moon with anger. But what happened was this rich kid in Potomac was throwing a party. He was being mean to his girlfriend, Dougie. Being the nice guy he is, went into a bedroom to try to protect her. He went in with two of his uh, friends. Uh, when they walked in, they saw this guy with a gun aimed at them. So they turned around oh to leave, and they all got shot in the back. So three people were killed. Jesus. And this guy oh my God. got, I think, three years in prison. That's it? Yeah. For killing a redskin? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it was, um, you know, it, that there was that, and then we we would be robbed. We were right behind a government housing project, so we'd be robbed. So it was just like weird, dark stuff, and combined with me not doing a thing and just being very frustrated, mm-hmm. it was just sort of a very dark time. I just think I just look back and think of those those that time. And it's just all dark. So yeah. there are certain things that uh, I did not put in the book as as a comedy book, but <laughs> certainly. Um, it, yeah, it was a it was a, it's a darker book than I've done in the past, and it's also based on these movies that are sort of plotless, mostly dialogue. So this is more dialogue heavy than anything I've done before. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. I I think of Clerks, which I actually watched pretty recently, and I I feel bad. <laughs> For like the characters in the movie, because like you said, they're sort of aimless and driftless, like or just drifting through life. Like they don't really care about much, and I just want to like fix all their problems, you know, because I'm older and <laughs> wiser now. But back matronly, when I was, really. and, yeah, and just so matronly. And uh, but back then, I thought it was just the funniest thing. Well, yeah, I mean, and they were aimless, but like there was a sense of frustration because if you didn't know people. And didn't know how to go from point A to point B. You know, a lot of these people I worked with were really smart and creative. They just mm-hmm. didn't know how to make that leap. Hello. And there was go. a um, frustration and sort of an unfairness. You know, they didn't have parents who could get them jobs uh, working in music or writing right. or whatever have you. You know, they were all stuck in Maryland, which might as well have been on the moon. But a lot of them <laughs> did were creative and very sharp. And just didn't have the know, no, the know-how, the wherewithal to sort of escape from this world. And you know, I would see, I would see workers in their forties and fifties who were stuck in retail, who were eating lunches standing up, you know, takeout Chinese standing up. They were working weekends yeah. and holidays with no insurance for at that time, you know, six, seven bucks an hour. And quite frankly, it scared the shit out of me because I didn't want to end up like that. Of course not. If- if I remember your life, so at this point, you've graduated from Tulane, where you were partying hard as hell, because if I recall, it was a childhood of just your mom feeding you codeine cough syrup the whole time. <laughs> yeah, I, I was on codeine for half of my childhood. But I, I have to um, correct you. I really wasn't partying, not in the uh, fraternity sense, um, I, or the, you know, on just New Orleans. Yeah, sense, I mean, right? I was just taking advantage of New Orleans, you know, like I would 
be friends with people named Frenchie down down in the quarter, that sort of thing. <laughs> uh, but it really wasn't like, oh, it wasn't a, a um, an animal house type of party. It really wasn't. It was just more like I would skip classes and just go to New Orleans, you know, downtown to the French Quarter. It was sort of like and- that. So it was it was a bit aimless then, and it didn't really change much. Except I was no longer in New Orleans. I was now in okay. the suburbs of Maryland. Well, in, in New Orleans, you can kind of like co-sign that party lifestyle too. Right. And like people if, will co-sign it for you. And you can't really do that when you go back home. No. I mean, you know, it's almost expected in New Orleans or in Seattle at that time or Austin. But, you know, D.C. is not a slacker town. No, no, by no means is it. And nor is it a creative um, town or a co- comic a comedically advanced town, at least at that time, it was sort of uh, very backwoods. You know, you said something last time uh, we interviewed you about like the nineties and those movies and stuff. And it really stuck with me. And I brought it up to uh, John not too long ago about how every character was like quoting the seventies and had a favorite, I believe you said had a favorite episode of like Gilligan's Island. And they all had all these like seventies throwback little uh, things that they would mention in the movies and stuff. And I thought about that. And that really was like in the nineties, I had so many things from the seventies that I would quote that I adored. Um, it was, I just thought that was so, so funny. So poignant, very poignant. Well, no, I mean, at that time, <laughs> for some reason, especially the early nineties, people became obsessed with their childhood. So it was all about Brady mm-hmm. Bunch. It was all up for me, all about Brady Bunch, all about, you know, H.R. Puffin stuff, all these things that we hadn't seen in 20 years because the internet didn't exist. So yeah. it was sort of like a magical reenactment of your childhood. Mm-hmm. But it became that, you know, to the point where in these movies, like in Reality Bites, you would have the Jeanine Garofalo character breaking out into um, My Sharona by the Knack or, <laughs> you know, listing her favorite Gilligan's Island episode. It just became too much and it was just too easy. And that's one of the things that I make fun of in this book is just the, the <laughs> ongoing never stop references to the 1970s, whether it's to a, it. to a sitcom or to a douche commercial. It was, you know, <laughs> my first douche. <laughs> that is, that's brilliant. I was, I, I just like, I remember any Gilligan's Island where Marianne like got to be sexy, where she like, lost her mind a coconut would fall on her head and she became ginger for like the day they like switched personalities right. yeah well this is when they yeah. started running out of ideas and you can see this in days to confuse too a movie yeah. that came out in the early 90s where the the women female characters are in the bathroom listing their uh takes on freudian takes on the characters from um gilligan's island yeah bob denver um i also thought of you uh the other day because I found out there's a novelization of the movie home alone. I have. I, like, I wonder if, yeah. Oh, you do. <laughs> yeah, of course I do. <laughs> oh my God. You know, there was a guy, there's two people who are filming a documentary on novelizations and writers. And I was lucky enough to be interviewed by them. Yes. And I was so proud. I said, look at, look at my collection. They're like, look yeah, whatever. Like they had, they've had, they have hundreds, they literally have every novelization ever produced. So I have a lot, but not as nearly as many as I could have. Oh my god! I've I've tried to push you in this direction before. I I think it was over drinks in Brooklyn. Maybe the last time I saw you in person. 
And I was saying, you in particular own so much weird crap. You need to <laughs> just make the focus of your Instagram or like a little YouTube series or whatever the hell you want. Just you introducing these bizarre items that I can only imagine like go straight up to the tops of your walls in your apartment. <laughs> well, what's funny is like you, yes, you did bring that up, which is great. I think it's a great idea, but I'd rather just spend my time writing. But what I have found is that since we last talked on Instagram, when I post these, they become pretty popular and um, certain celebs are, are fans of these books and they, they ask when the next one is coming up, which is pretty cool. So yeah. you might've had a, a point there, but I just don't want to be one of those guys charging people to just show off my novelizations. Yeah, I get that. I, I, that's, that's admirable. You probably could, I just thought... you probably could make a lot of money, but I, I stick to your guns. I like that. Do you think I could make a lot? Now, now you're talking me out of it because <laughs> yeah, tons, tons. You could man. make tons of money. Really? Yes. How much do you think I could make? Um, on an Instagram, on an Inst- multiply it by ten. <laughs> yeah, on an Instagram post, if you got like people involved, um, I don't know, man. It, it would depend. Kim Kardashian. Give him a number. The man hates abstraction. <laughs> All right, five thousand bucks. Five thousand bucks a month. Five thousand bucks an Instagram oh, post. What? Yeah. Wait, wait. How, how would they pay for an Insta? Why would they pay for an Instagram post? Um, it, it would just be you'd have to talk to someone that knows more about this. I'm just saying, like, I know Kim Kardashian makes well, yeah, three hundred and fifty thousand dollars a post. Right, but know, she has millions she'll... of followers. I mean, so what? What you guys or what you were saying? Um, was that when we were in Brooklyn getting that drink was that I should do a, what I thought you were talking about was a YouTube type series where I, I YouTube or I dare say even TikTok might be the easiest thing. Like just film yourself holding this crap, describe it for 45 seconds. I like TikTok cause it's just, or Instagram because it's just done once you've recorded the video hmm. and then you put in a few keywords and call it a day. Now you think the 15 year old but- girls who are on TikTok are going to enjoy looking at my novelization. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I just think sells, TikTok man. because of COVID has changed so much. Like, to be honest, I'm I'm an old lady and I had never heard of it before COVID. And now I'm not on TikTok, but I watch people's videos and it's it's not just 15 year olds. It's everybody because people are at home and they're bored. It's also 25 year olds like you, Mike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I, maybe I, I will look into this because I mean, you know, more money is always a good thing and I'm posting it anyway. I mean, it increases your profile. If nothing else, yeah, you post this stuff and you tend to lean heavy into the verbiage, but I think you actually talking like you're eloquent as hell and people are typically dumb. Like you and I, I'll leave out even (laughs) enjoy text because you know, for us, we can process it very quickly. And I'm just a, trying to be a data sponge. That's like my form of OCD. Like I want to just zone out and suck this stuff in. But most people want a video. They want to hear someone talking. And I think you could do that well, man. Literally just do some 60-second stuff for your Instagram. Right. I dig it. I, I'm going I'm to look into this. Thank you. Oh, of course. Uh, so your previous two novelizations, Stinker and Passable, had amazing audiobook oh, yeah. counterparts mm-hmm. released with just uh, voice talent I'm infinitely jealous of. Like, 
thinking Bob Odenkirk, John Hamm, Bobby Moynihan. Um, just it, it goes on and on. Uh, do we know, first of all, if there is going to be an audio version of Slouchers who's tapping madly on their keyboard? Um, I'm going to blame Eva, even though I know it's you. I don't. Me. <laughs> you know, it's funny. The people I knew at uh, Amazon have left, so it's been a harder uh, thing to get made. So, I mean, I want to get it made. It's just I figured I'd put the book out and see, take my chances at that point. And I would love to do it. I have my friend Mark Rosa, who put together the soundtracks for Stinker Let's Loose and Passable and Pink, is of this era, and he knows people from bands that you know pavement cracker all these bands who, oh, wow. who would want to do a soundtrack so i think and also there are you know the people i work with in the past want to do it it's just a matter of interesting the 22 year old producer at audible who may not have really gives a shit about you know such things from the early 90s well if you need any help i've got it oh. <laughs> music to my ears thank you sir <laughs> I have a boombox. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to hear, like, for you, because we last spoke, what, April-ish? I want to say this had just kind of started the whole pandemic. Was it April-May range? Something like Something that. Something like that. Uh, I want to know what exactly you've been up to, because I feel at the time New York was getting incredibly slammed, yeah. and now Corona's kind of moved out to the sticks, but I, I don't think it's entirely left to you guys either so i just wanted to hear what you've been up to what's new york like i miss it yeah (laughs) it's pretty um pretty dismal truthfully i mean the summer was Uh, totally dead and then things things picked up in the fall and there's you know hope on the horizon but the restaurants aren't open really um you can go into stores but only a certain amount of people in at a time uh Mm -hmm. my daughter's home from school uh, so she's not you know, she's in middle school now, but has never m- really met most of her friends in person. Uh, it's just a weird time. You know, I, I selfishly, I have to say, like, I'm kind of a homebody anyway, who, who just likes to stay at home and write. So I have been getting a lot of work done, but um, I, 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 you know, I've been going a little crazy. It's just, it's just too claustrophobic, really, because I don't even have a car where I can just get the hell out and go drive around, which I used to like to do in the D.C. area. I can't do that. So it's just sort of very, very um, insular. And my world is just like six, seven blocks and has been. And it feels a lot longer than a year. Uh, I have to say the worst time really was that election week where we didn't know who won. Um, Yeah, I bet. But there was a sense that that day, that Saturday when we found out, I mean, like the minute literally when, it was announced on CNN cars started uh, beeping and within moments <laughs> there was a party everywhere and just walking around and seeing people out uh, and so happy that this madness is hopefully over. That was a great day, but uh, mostly it's just me in my room writing. I mean, that's, that's what I do. And I can't say I, I don't miss going into an office. I really don't. I think those days are sort of over anyway. I was I was just going to ask that. I mean, what even when we do start to get vaccinated, like how long do you think before New York as we know it, if ever? I think it'll be back pretty quickly. I just don't think that um, it'll go back to what it was before. I mean, just speaking 
from my own perspective, I don't think Condé Nast or Vanity Fair, they're not going to rent out for hundreds of thousands of dollars a month and multi-floors in the World Trade Center um, area. Right. I think it'll that's totally different. I think most people will go back, but for two, maybe at the most three days a week in a different type of office environment. I think that's changed for good. I also don't think it matters if you're in New York anymore. I mean, you can be anywhere, which I think is a contribute. Uh, you don't have to be in Brooklyn or Manhattan. I think that'll change. Mike, you're breaking up a little. Uh, can we restart a second recording? Yeah. All right, cool. He's not coming back. Oh. <laughs> Yay! Yes. <laughs> We were worried you found a better podcast. <laughs> I, I told him, I go, he's not coming back. <laughs> no, I'm gone. See ya. Uh, so you were just saying that you don't think office space, as we know it in New York, will ever come back. No, yeah. I think that's that's gone. I don't. I, I know a lot of people who moved and who aren't coming back, but in, intend to continue to work at their jobs in the city of you know via zoom or whatever mm-hmm. move think... to connecticut or jersey yeah, that's yeah. right yeah i, I just want to hear all the funny people left and if i go there i've got a chance <laughs> you do yay you're like not from you eva from mike Sachs. from mike <laughs> he's a new yorker he matters <laughs> i think you got to take more advantage of, of virginia and maryland i think dc is coming on strong Mm-hmm. I, he's he's a fan of this area. Even. I love that area. He'll sing its well, we did we did do um, a pretty cool thing today. We recorded some audio for a new sketch that's happening. So that's fun. Yeah, we're we're broke, doing things. We're broke, cool. Broke well, yeah, I mean, you don't have to be in L.A. or Chicago or Toronto. You can be in Northern Virginia, and yeah, that that world, like what you know, we were talking about the early '90s. You you couldn't be in D.C. really. You had to get out of it to make it. I don't think that's the way it is anymore. I still feel it helps a lot, but I I do think if you have like a single minded focus, I don't. You do clearly. Like I think you would succeed anywhere with today's technology. Like you said something the last time we talked to you about the amount you write each day, and it it inspired me to write about two hours a day, or maybe three days after talking to you, and then, <laughs> and then it wore off. <laughs> Well, I'm glad I could be of help for those few days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I correct me if I'm wrong. You said you're like eight hours a day, right? Well, it, it doesn't. It's not necessarily typing. It, it's either doing research or thinking of ideas or you know what have you. It could be reading a book. It could be anything. But I think, at the very least, you should accomplish something where you move forward a little bit and accomplish something each day, rather than stagnate. And I had done that for many years, and I tried to avoid that now. You've never, like you've never done that. Yeah. You've always been a worker. Me? Yes, I refuse to believe it. No. Yeah. I mean, there would be entire – I'd go to the university – I'd go to Montgomery County College in Rockville every day and just read, you know, magazine. I, I did nothing, really. And <laughs> I had to pop myself out of that. And But once I did, I didn't want to go back. So there's a fear of, uh, quite frankly, having to work retail again. And, you know, it was uh, I, don't, I didn't want to go back to those type of days. Yeah. One thing I really can't imagine New York without. Well, the two things are restaurants and theater. 
Like right. I can't imagine not being yeah. able to go out to dinner and then going to see a show. And that's impossible right now. Well, even the movie, I mean, it's heartbreaking because my friends run Nighthawk movie theater where it's like a, um, you can eat as you watch movies. Great place. Mm-hmm. Great selection of movies. And they would have a bar where I'd go in and, um, you know, write every day or most days. And that has just been decimated. And, oh. you know, they still have to pay rent and, they, you know, they wanted to pay their employees. Uh, but you're right. Like this, the heart, the soul of New York is just obliterated. But um, I, I'm hoping. I can't that, imagine it. But people are are eager to get back. And I think yes. once that vaccine is out, I think you'll see not only people are back, but going out of their way to. I mean, that's why that HBO Cinemax announcement where all the movies are going to be that were supposed to go to movie theaters are going to be dumped into onto HBO Cinemax. That sort of surprised me because I think there'll be a real hunger from people to get the fuck out of their houses because we've been cooped up for a year. So I think more people will be going to movie theaters than had gone in the past. Mm-hmm. No, it's it's what you said. We've lived like cats for the past year. We're either in our house or doing like a little seven block walk around it. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, cats, cats are, are creatures of habit and they do not like to be taken out of their house. Humans are social creatures and we need to get the fuck out. And mm-hmm. I think there's going to be a lot of um, – I feel sorry for the people who are single who are you know, want to date and can't do it. Like I have a girlfriend, but uh, if you're single, if you're like 22 and single, I'd imagine it'd be very, very depressing to be stuck at home day after day after day. Yeah, where are you going to get your strange? Well, there you go. Let but me there's no that, bars. No. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> where? <laughs> yeah, Eva, where did you go to get your strange at 22? <laughs> I went to the bar. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, there's no strange like Northern Virginia strange. That is well, strange. I was in New York at 22. Oh, okay. Yeah. But at the same time, there is a feeling like, oh, well, at least I'm not missing out on anything. It, it is kind of comforting to know, like, I'm at home reading about my Nazis, but there is no parties <laughs> that I'm missing. You know? No, I, I don't know if we've talked about this before, but on one hand, I'm so saddened because the, the one of the improv theaters that I'd plugged into the most up there, the Upright Citizens Brigade, I don't really know what's left of it. Or if it'll come back in any way, shape, or form. I know the Creek and Cave, which was a big venue for stand-ups, especially people starting out, went kaput as of Mm. a couple weeks ago. And so even when we are able to get back to it, I don't know if everything we want will be left. Well, I I think, yeah, I think things are going to change, but... I don't think you can stop people from wanting to be creative and wanting to create and wanting to be funny. I just think there's going to be a difference as to how they do it and where they yeah. do it. And um, hopefully it'll open up more opportunities for those who can't go to New York or L.A. but want oh, to be yeah. creative. This has been a great year in that sense because I've I've you know castigated myself for how long like oh if only you were in New York doing this doing that and now I just laugh because I'm like they're doing as much improv as I am right now right and what, that's what I told you when I when I you were talking about moving up to New York mm-hmm. like I I don't I didn't think that was necessary then and quite frankly I think it's even less necessary now so for that mm-hmm. alone 
uh, it should be a positive development. I think a lot of um, creative works and, you know, beautiful things will come out of, you know, this time as well, because people are stuck at home and they're going through so many emotions. You know, some people are going to be like, I need to be funny. Some people are like, I need to write poetry. I think there's going to be a, a creative boom. I think so once, too. I think it's a real, this is over. a real schism between now yep. and what happened before. Now we're, we're not talking about even years. We're not talking about like, you know, Germany during world war two, which was years. <laughs> this is like 10 months. I love your Nazis. I love <laughs> My Nazis. And I have to say it like I have to say it like I love my Nazis. <laughs> um, but I do think people are like, you know what? Fuck this. Like life is short, and I think this sort of gave a lot of people a kick in the ass to do, uh, you know, to quit shit jobs and sort of do what they want to do. You know, mm-hmm. and if you don't have to live in an expensive city, you can afford to do that. Yeah. Uh, Mike, before we let you go, there's one last thing I want to talk to you about. Wait, Nazis? Yes. (laughs) Nazis? Oh, my God. They are amazing. Reading Um, Nazis. (laughs) No, uh, you are great on Twitter. Everyone who's not following Mike, uh, you're at Mike B. Sachs? Mike B. Sachs, yes. Mike B. Sachs. Uh, But you have a couple of targets that you will just go after at least once or twice a month, like they personally wronged you. And the first is you will always take a swipe at Judd Apatow, which never fails to amuse me. And the other thing, you have one photo of Colin Jost. Yeah. Kind of looking down. He's given that like, oh, shucks face. (laughs) And you will just caption this with different spiteful captions. I know. It's so (laughs) mean spirited. And I don't know him. And I've only heard, honestly, good things about the guy. But he's so yeah. so good looking, and he's so successful, and he's such a beautiful, I think now wife. Um, yeah, they got married. And and the the thing about that photo, it was just so studied, and fake, casual. <laughs> you know, he's he's in a thousand dollar hobo outfit, walking on some <laughs> beach, trying to act casual. That's really just what I was going after, um, and, and it's not even him you know, per se. So I, I, I just, so, I'm obsessed okay. with the photograph is what I'm saying. All right. So Jost on a personal level is fine. Yeah. Apatow, I don't know however. Well, listen, I mean, <laughs> we all have our Vietnam, right? <laughs> oh God. I, if for no other reason, follow his account for this stuff. I will. I'm, I'm not a big Twitter person. I must admit, I, I need videos and pictures, number, but it, it sounds like there's a picture involved. There's a picture, one. so you can so, handle it. It's, well, it's, it's the same picture. I love, I love your Instagram. Oh, thank it's, you. It's yeah. the same picture, or usually a retweeted poster of King of Staten Island that he's written <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, that, that guy, um, yeah. Uh, Pete Davidson? Well, I have to say this. All right, so I was at uh, the Montreal Comedy Fest five six years ago and i saw pete davidson perform he was the only performer where i thought that guy's a star like you could you could tell immediately and i i met him afterwards and he was super nice wow. um so i don't wish him any i just wonder why women go out with this guy i mean like, what is it about this gentleman that you need is it a is it a you have to protect someone innocent and vulnerable is that what it is yeah he's like a baby fuck up he's super tall and he's famous he's really tall i mean yeah. that 
I was, that's what I was about to say. He's tall. So. He's super tall. He's like seven. I mean, he towered above me. I mean, even if he wasn't famous, he would still get a lot of girls just on height alone. Girls so, find that very, very sexy. Really? Why is that? Oh. Height, height is their tits, Mike. Yeah. I mean, height is... Huh. So I have... Height's a big deal. I have no man tits, is what you're saying. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm like a well, I've never met you Well, I've never met you in the flesh. I, I've never dated a really, really tall guy, but it's, uh, you know, that's that's the dream. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Once your fiance's gone in 40, 50 years, <laughs> you'll get you some tall ass. <laughs> some strange tall. Um, no, some strange, <laughs> strange tall. tall. Wait, so yeah. are you uh are you engaged? I am. Nice, congrats. So what Keep what does he do for a here, Michael? He um works for the community service board. He helps men that are in carcer that are incarcerated that deal with substance abuse issues. Sounds like really good work, but is it like fake novelization good work? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Actually, I'm looking at a picture of him now on Instagram. He, he's a good looking, good looking guy. Yeah, he is. Yeah, look at you two. That's great. Congrats. Yeah, he's, thank you. When is the wedding? March 12th. Okay, good. And we are eloping, so. Good. That's <laughs> that's the way to do it, honestly. Yeah. yeah. We're taking the money and running. Good. Where are you running I to? Keep saying, uh, we haven't decided yet, but we are eloping and it's just going to be us and we're just going to take all the money <laughs> and all the presents. Well, I knew I work with people at the record store who eloped, but ran off to the fake lake in Gaithersburg or the Rio mall. <laughs> that's where they ran off to Ooh. for their honeymoon. Yes. Okay. I, okay. I think they, uh, yeah, where the hamburger Hamlet was and right off of <laughs> semi highway. Beautiful Wait, gift. let me get a pencil. I'm writing this down. <laughs> Possible honeymoon. Okay. I'm not saying yours is going to be that beautiful. I'm just saying this is what they <laughs> uh, Mike, thanks again for joining us, man. We always love uh, you. I love you guys. Thank you. And um, You're awesome. Let's talk soon, okay? <laughs> I'll right. be putting a link to get uh, the Kindle version. It's only 99 cents. 99 cents at the moment, right? That's crazy, man. You got 99 yeah. cents, right? Come on. I Come on. Come on, people. Come on. Get that damn book. You get that damn oh, book from Mike. Get up and get Maybe it. You follow him. Get follow it. Follow his Insta. <laughs> follow his Twitter. Do it. <laughs> damn it. Now I'm pissed. Now I'm leaving pissed. <laughs> He's leaving hot, God guys. Damn. <laughs> God damn. God damn. Anyway, right. I think you know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go off and read my Nazis. <laughs> Have fun. Bye. 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 <laughs>